David is a, uh, has been involved with cross-cultural mission at Oak Hall College, and he and his wife, Maura, have also set up and helped to run a charity called uh, 219. He'll tell you more about that at the moment, but it's called Teach to Reach uh, Charity. So good morning to you, David. Good morning, Blair. Uh, well, it's great to have you on the programme. David, let's start at the very beginning, uh, before we get to sort of the, the work that you've been doing uh, over, over many years in terms of uh, cross-cultural mission and so on. But how did, how did the faith journey begin for you? Thank you, Blair. Well, it's great to be on the show this morning. Uh, I grew up in a, a sort of leafy village in Berkshire, about as far away from cross-cultural mission as you could imagine. Uh, but I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my parents had become Christians in their teenage years and was taken to a little chapel, which sadly no longer exists. It's a domestic dwelling now, but that's where I heard the gospel. So I'm so grateful to people that uh, taught me the gospel there. And uh, I responded as a child um, in my heart in a very simple way. For me, I think it was the love of God through Christ which just bowled me over. I always felt loved by my church, by my parents, my family. Uh, and so it was natural for me to understand uh, God's love expressed to me through Christ's death and resurrection. So I very simply gave my life uh, to him in that context, Blair. Now, in those in those early years, you know, obviously becoming a, a, a Christian at such a young age, did, did did you feel or did you have a sense that maybe one day you'll be involved in full-time Christian work? Not really. Um, but uh, the mission thing, strangely, was always there because although we were a very uh, sort of leafy village, as I've said, we didn't have many people that went from the village uh, coming through in the 60s, this was, um, we had missionary speakers from time to time, so that was great. That got me really excited. People from Sierra Leone, people telling us about work on the far side of the world, Slavic Gospel Association. So my ears pricked up. So perhaps that was the beginnings of it for me in terms of what the Lord was calling me to do. Um, I was really interested. I started praying for China in particular, um, and so that's how it all began. Uh, I never really dreamt that I'd uh, go into Christian work full-time. Now, eventually, of course, you, you went to my home city, uh, uh, Belfast, but, but before you actually got there to, to uh, undertake some theological training, uh, what, what was it that, that, that set you on the road to, to wanting to do that? Well, um, yeah, I'd love to say Belfast is a fantastic city, and having been there, um, I can say that now. But, of course, we chose it back in the, in the 80s and the 90s because it was a lot cheaper, because I was likely to get, uh, get, get myself in trouble if I strayed into the, the wrong part of town. Um, so that's why we chose Belfast in particular, uh, and we were taken to the hearts of the Christians there. They really looked after us, and they gave us great training. What uh, caused us to feel the need for theological training uh, was... We, we understood the gospel, but we didn't really have our roots down deep theologically. Uh, and for missions especially, but for all Christian work really, and I'd say for all Christians, uh, we need to get our roots down as deep as possible. So um, thinking deeply about what uh, it means that God is, for example, three in one. Let's see. Uh, that the Father has always loved the Son, and the Son the Spirit, and the Spirit the Father. Um, even before anything else or anybody else was created to be loved. Things like this, understanding how the scriptures are put together. So our church, uh, once we got married, we went to Cary Baptist Church in Reading and uh, rather proudly said, uh, oh, we're, we're here, we're a newly married couple, we're off to save the world. 
we didn't put it quite like that. <laughs> uh, but we're off into missions. And the pastor very wisely said, oh, no, you don't. Slow down. Um, we need to get to know you, stay in the church, work in various ministries, youth work, whatever. Uh, come along to elders' meetings, see how a church works. And then we're going to send you off to college. And, of course, the missionary societies that we were applying to they said the same, off you go to college. So we went. Uh, we went just for two years. Thought, well, we'll hurry this through because we have to. But loved it. Loved studying the Word of God and thinking more deeply about God. Stayed for four and a half years in your beautiful city, Blair. <laughs> now, you mentioned, of course, we. And, of course, you mentioned your wife there, Maura. I didn't, I didn't uh, have a pronounced her name right. Is it Maura? Yes, it's an Irish name. So you're bang on. Excellent. Now, uh, how did you two meet? Well, we met, um, now this is where Oak Hill and Oak Hall get confusing, but the holidays, um, the Christian holidays, Oak Hall holidays, we met on one of those in the 80s, and um, we, well, it wasn't a holiday romance, but we kind of noticed each other. I think she fancied the speaker, to be honest, Blair, I didn't really get a look in, but uh, <laughs> he didn't bite. So I, did, I couldn't forget about this girl, Maura, and uh, it as it happened, I knew that she was not far away from Reading in Oxford, and I had a, a Reading friend who was nursing there, a male nurse, and she was training. So I asked him to set us up, uh, and uh, he found her, and I just rocked up and knocked on her door one day about a year later, and, uh, well, we took things from there. <laughs> and then did, 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 did Maura also sort of share that, that sort of world vision with you or the, the pull to international mission? She did, and uh, from when I met her on the Oak Hall holiday, uh, I knew that she was uh, what they call a mission kid or a TCK, third culture kid. She'd been brought up in um, the, the Middle East for the first five years uh, in Saudi and Dubai and places like that, uh, and she was keen to go back. In fact, at the end of the holiday, she'd saved up money. She, she worked in a, a local market in Blackheath, West Midlands, and she saved up uh, her pocket money, as it were, and she was going back to uh, to serve as an 18-year-old. So I knew all this, and um, that was a big thing for both of us in pursuing a relationship, uh, the awareness that we were both feeling a sense of call to overseas mission. Very special uh, guest today is David Baldwin. We're going to be talking about cross-cultural mission, but you heard him talking there about how he and his wife uh, had a four-year spell in my home city of uh, of Belfast. As you look back, you know, on those years, uh, David, what were the most significant things that happened to, to you both? I mean, apart from the fact, of course, that you had some children that came your way, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, we didn't get shot. That was good. I once, I once got close to the wrong area of town, and a very concerned Belfast lady said, oh, you don't want to be down here, love. And she turned me around and sent me back. But in terms of positives, um, well, there was the Bible team itself, which was fantastic. And uh, as I've already mentioned, that was just such a rich thing for both Maura and I. She was able to do some study, especially before the kids came along. Uh, just to understand our faith and our wonderful God more deeply. Uh, there was the church, and some of those people that we met in the churches, a small mission hall just uh, down in a, a sort of working-class area, just at the end of the M1 motorway, they stuck with us and supported us through prayer and financially right through our time in Ethiopia. Um, 
and our kids coming along. So we've got four, uh, but the first two came along. Joshua and uh, Luke were born in Belfast and uh, started life with Belfast accents. Mommy, Daddy. Uh, they, they soon got rid of those. Actually, don't worry. They, you, they you, swapped them for... <laughs> Your Northern Ireland accent there's not too bad. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that, Blair, as a compliment I wondered whether to give it, you know, to wheel it out. Oh, but, absolutely, uh, yeah. Positive feedback, yeah. Well, listen, we're talking so about... They got American accents um, because the, the American missionaries' kids influenced <laughs> their, their dialects later. It's amazing, isn't it, how quickly kids can pick up accents and, and equally uh, how quickly yeah. they can lose them and go on to something else. I guess that the, yeah. also being in the city of Belfast, of course, which has had so much you know, across community tension and so on. That, you know, for setting you up for what you were then going to face later on cross-culturally, that must have been very beneficial. Well, Moore and I often said when we were there that there were so many things that we expected to be the same about Northern Ireland, but that were different. This is the obvious link, things to do with the tensions, but there were so many other cultural things too. Uh, we thought... Uh, yeah, this is good practice in just being a little bit culture shocked, a little bit surprised by things. So, for example, somebody invited us out for supper from the church, and um, we we didn't eat anything after lunch. We went round there. We were starving. Uh, we got there about seven o'clock, and uh, eight, nine. They were just talking and talking. English people don't do this. And uh, got to ten, ten thirty. We were so hungry. <laughs> Finally, out comes the, this massive plate of sandwiches and and when we well we fell upon those sandwiches Blair and consumed them <laughs> like uh, fire on the altar but uh, they told us later after we'd all had our fill that they'd had their evening meal too and couldn't understand why we wouldn't so little things like that um, more flexible attitude to time and things like that well, of course if somebody in Ireland says we, you know we have a wee cup of tea you know they it's not really just a mm. wee cup of tea it's usually the sandwiches and the cream cakes and all, all that goes with it you know Anyway, I'm glad you, served, you eventually yeah. got fed that evening. So, I mean, you've, obviously you completed your theological training, and then, and then what happened? Did you come back to your home church? Yes, yeah, so in the last uh, year or so of our, our training in, in Belfast, we were writing to missionary societies, or continuing our dialogue with missionary societies, and saying, well, here we are, this is how we've been trained, uh, where would you place us, or what, what would you have us do, how can we serve? And uh, SIM, serving in mission with us, I mean, others came back to us too, Crosslinks and, and others, but SIM were very clear in what they would have us do, and they said, uh, with your preparation and your training, we could really use a couple like you in Ethiopia in a Bible teaching context for the local church there, the Kalahewats church which means word of life so that was very specific and through prayer through dialogue with our church elders and leaders um we agreed to follow that up but again they weren't in any hurry to send us they wanted to send us well and uh, very often when we talk about missionary call we're a bit too individualistic um, and we must add that corporate side it's the church actually that discerns a call with an individual or with a couple in our case and sends, and sends well. So they were determined to have us back to get to know us better, so that people in the church would know us before they sent us off. And they really did look after us for a year as we finished our preparation, raised support, prayer support, financial support. We continued ministering in the church and youth groups and various other ways, and then they sent us off uh, really well. And they were a fantastic sending church. Well, they still are. Now, you, of course, you ended up in Ethiopia. Why, of all the places in the world that you could have gone to serve, uh, why Ethiopia, David? 
Thank you, Blair. We always seem to end up in strange places, as our son just reflected uh, in his uh, in his groom's speech at his wedding. <laughs> Belfast, then mud hut in the, in the middle of the countryside in Ethiopia. Yeah, it's not the first place that springs to mind. Uh, most of us in the 80s, what we knew about Ethiopia was pictures of famine and Bob Geldof and Live Aid kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's a wonderful country. Yes, uh, you know, the fleshly side of us would have liked to have done beach missions in Kenya, but the, the country to the north, Ethiopia, um, had a lot less press then. So we were as nonplussed by anybody else and had to sort of scratch around looking for information on Ethiopia. But it's a wonderful country with rich history. Um, they've had Christians there of the Orthodox variety since the 3rd century, 4th century, same time as Christianity came uh, to the UK. Um, and uh, the evangelical church had been growing for the last, well, it would have been about 60, 70 years when we arrived, uh, freshly planted by SIM missionaries and other missionaries too. Um, wonderful food, wonderful people, wonderful culture, and a fantastic language called Amharic, which is Semitic, a little bit like Arabic or Hebrew, um, and got explosive letters, Blair. So as well as <laughs> P, you had P. And as well as T, you had T, and etc. Well, that's uh, a great hymn there, uh, Go Forth and Tell. And of course, very pertinent to my very special uh, guest today, David Baldwin. Uh, uh, he and his wife, of course, uh, find themselves having trained for four years at uh, Belfast Theological College uh, and then gone back to the home church, going out to Ethiopia. So what, what, what did you discuss? discover there and in terms of reaching out david what sort of methods did you employ well blair we found that um there was already quite a strong ethiopian evangelical church and they were brilliant at reaching out we learned from our ethiopian brothers about um really sacrificial living uh, and Ethiopian evangelists would go out, they'd go to difficult places, they'd go on a shoestring budget, and they would spread the gospel to neighboring tribes, and uh, towards the end of our time, to neighboring countries too, as the Ethiopian missionary movement started to uh, gain strength. Um, we ourselves were placed in rural locations in Bible teaching, so we were... Uh, uh, we were strategically placed to try to strengthen the church by strengthening church leaders by teaching them uh, the Bible. So that was what we did first in English and then later in Amharic. Um, the second side of what we did towards uh, the end of our time, about 2004, we came back to the capital city, Addis Ababa, which means new flower. And uh, we got involved there with outreach, as you mentioned, um, to Ethiopians, but also uh, people from different nationalities who were uh, in the cosmopolitan capital city. And to do that, we used uh, the great lure English language, and uh, we've got great riches in knowing English, and everybody across the world wants to know it. So it's fairly easy if you can get organized to get people to come, even you can get them to pay, so that will cover your expenses, and um, and teach them English, but also teach them the gospel alongside it. And here I be careful to uh, explain exactly what I mean by that. Um, we didn't teach English through the Bible, though some people have done that, and it's been blessed. Um, but we taught English as well as we could, as professionally as we could. And in break times or at the end of lessons, we'd always give people an opportunity to join a Christianity Explored class or some equivalent or to do one-to-one 
discipleship. So that's how we began using English language for outreach there. Now, obviously, all of that work would have strengthened the churches that you were working uh, there. I mean, again, looking back on on that strategic and very large time, was it was it eleven years in total you were there? Eleven years in in Ethiopia. Yeah. It must have been quite a pull to leave and then come back to the UK. It was, and two more children had been added by God's grace. So Alfie and Phoebe were born while we were out there. They're actually born in the in the Reading Royal Barks Hospital when we were on home leave or furlough, as it's sometimes called. Uh, but they grew up. That that was their life. Phoebe and Alfie and their older brothers Luke and Josh uh, too. But when we got to Joshua's A level stage, Moore um, had done a lot of homeschooling with the kids, um, and. We'd also been able to use the mission school when we were in the capital. Uh, but the, the principal of the mission school, he kind of looked at me with his head on one side and said, yeah, we can do A-levels, but you're probably better looking for a better... So for, for Joshua's educational needs, um, we, we added up a few different options and decided after prayer that we should come home as a family, which was a great wrench for all of us, of course, um, but God was gracious. Um, I often compare um, missionaries coming home and with their families to, it's like Splashdown. Uh, Marion Nell has written a book, Burn Up or Splashdown. You kind of crash into the ocean of your home country, and it takes a long time, maybe two years, for the bubbles to stop surfacing and for you to feel your equilibrium again. Mm, indeed. Well, back you come, and then you got engaged with uh, working with, was it with, with two churches in the Reading area? That's right. They are sending church. As I said already, they were a fantastic sending church. And as we were coming back, uh, they were very conscious of praying for us as we returned to make sure that we had something um, meaningful to go on to and uh, sought the Lord's leading in our lives. So they said, well, we're surrounded by international people here. All right, they're not all Ethiopians, but you've got some cross-cultural experience. And we would love to reach out to these people. Some of them come to our church, others we've got no way of contacting. Um, could you set up something? And they appointed us, they, they gave us one job, which we job shared as international workers. And wisely they said, this does not mean David and Maura are going to do all the international work. It means they're going to lead us as a church in the international work. By God's grace, that's still going. Now that we've moved on, we're in Birmingham now. Um, so um, we surveyed the area and we asked international people through questionnaires, just through friendships, through bumping into people at cafes, uh, what, are the, what are your felt needs? What could the church do? Uh, can we get in touch with you again? And uh, the things that came back were fairly obvious. If you can imagine people coming to the UK for the first time, the need for jobs, housing, uh, language, of course, English language, sense of community. That one surprised us. Um, and there were various others. Uh, so as a church, we felt this all went back to the elders before we did anything. I think that's a very important point to make, Blair. Um, it's too easy to start a peripheral international ministry in your church, but it really needs to be a whole church ministry um, with the leaders buying in. So we decided as a church we'd um, offer events where we could uh, foster a sense of community, share the gospel, share friendship, uh, and that we'd offer English language we also ran an international Bible study for people who would struggle with the main midweek meeting. But we did things like sermon support, uh, where when the kids go out, uh, speakers of other languages 
could go out and get a simplified version of the same sermon that the pastor was preaching, then we'd go back in for the final song, things like that. Uh, we did that up uh, at a church up the road as well, which is a church very close to our hearts, Argyle Community Church, and both those churches are, are still running, uh, I'd say, a coordinated um, outreach to internationals using a lot of English language uh, for outreach. Now, there were two significant uh, other things that happened. One was the establishing of a, of a brand new charity, which you call uh, 219. Well, maybe we'll start with that one. Uh, why 219? Thank you, Blair. Um, 219... It's kind of trendy now, Blair, isn't it, to yeah. use Bible verses to yeah. name charities. So, but I think we're, maybe it gets a bit confusing too. Uh, we've certainly enjoyed and endured uh, people's sort of quizzical looks. Two nineteen, or sometimes one one lady in our church said, "What is this ministry?" One two three. So the numbers are always confusing. We've had two fifteen, two two eighteen, two fourteen. You name it. It's Ephesians two nineteen, uh, where Paul says to the Ephesians. Um, especially those who are not Jewish, that consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Paul is emphasizing in that passage that the Jews and Gentiles of various descriptions in Ephesus were one and shouldn't be divided, were not divided by ethnicity or language or anything else. He was encouraging them um, to uh, practice the oneness that Christ had won for them on the cross. Uh, we've realized more recently that we probably need to add uh, um, something like teach to reach on the end of 219, uh, so that people aren't completely confused and there's something a bit more memorable. So the idea is you teach English and you reach people uh, with the gospel. And of course, I think it was quite clever that you didn't put Ephesians, you know, it was only when I asked you that you said, because I, probably like so many other people, have been thinking, 219, what's that? You know, of course, it gives you an opportunity then yeah. to, to tell me, as you said, the, the link to Ephesians there. Um, now, obviously, the, 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 the core of, of what you and Maura are doing with, through the work of the charity is, is cross-cultural mission, isn't it? And, and largely with people who are living on, in, in, our, in our urban areas, coming, of course, from today from many, many parts of the world, and of course, sadly, many of them displaced, the most recent, of course, being what we've seen happening in Afghanistan. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about how that work has spanned, because you, you work to help local churches respond to need, don't you? That's right, exactly. Uh, the emphasis is very much on local churches, and that's uh, for a theological reason from the chapter uh, preceding, chapter... Um, Chapters 1 and 2 of Ephesians especially emphasize the importance of the local church. Uh, chapter 2, 10, that's how God displays his manifold wisdom, is through the local church. Now, most of our local churches, we think, oh, I know all those people. They're, they're a little bit strange and awkward sometimes. But amazingly, that's how God chooses to display his wisdom. So uh, parachurch is great as, insofar as it serves the church. So 219 Teach to Reach, our main aim, is always to serve local churches, because every local church is well positioned in the UK, Blair. Uh, some of them are in rural uh, locations. You'll even find internationals there, fruit pickers and people who run the, the, some of the shops and the takeaways. Uh, but in our urban areas, of course, our communities are, are very mixed and diverse. And some of the people coming from the nations to the UK will already be Christians. And then it's more a question of integrating uh, church life well so that it's not dominated just by the existing culture, but is uh, integrated with other cultures too.
country so that people feel comfortable. Uh, but many, as you've said, from Afghanistan, especially most recently in the news, are coming without any knowledge of Christ, and it's a real opportunity. It's a cross-cultural opportunity that William Carey would only have dreamed of 200 years ago. So I said that the modern missionary movement has kind of come to a sort of an end, not completely, because the West should still, still does uh, call and send people to other parts of the world, especially where there isn't a strong church. church. That should be our main focus. Uh, but God's given us this opportunity not just to send a few, but for all of us to be involved in cross-cultural mission, um, which means we won't always be culturally comfortable in our own communities or in our own churches, um, but we've got a gospel which scratches the itches of every people from every corner of the world. So we've got that uh, mission task to not just go forth and tell, uh, but to stay and tell too, as God sends the nations to us. So that's what we try to do, Blair. We try to um, equip and encourage and inspire and resource local churches so that they can get started. They might be thinking, we just don't know what to do. Well, uh, 2.19 Teach to Reach, we're a team of about seven working part-time and we're here to help. My very special guest uh, uh, today, obviously, uh, David uh, Baldwin, has been telling us uh, you know, all about the work that he undertook in, uh, in Ethiopia. And of course, uh, now in this country, working with many local churches through the work of that charity, uh, 2.19, linked to the scripture, Ephesians 2.19. But of course, that isn't the only thing that, that uh, David does, because he's also now director of global missions uh, with Oak Hill College. And of course, not to be confused with Oak Hall, David, is it? Exactly right. Oak Hall Holidays, Oak Hill College, Theological College, other theological providers are available. <laughs> now, presumably, what you're doing there up in, is it, is it, are you, you said you're, is it Birmingham best? Well, I'm in Birmingham. Uh, so I said Birmingham earlier because we live in Birmingham now. Um, but I commute down and spend a couple of... So tonight I'll be commuting down. I'll, I'll be there for Thursday and Friday teaching. So I'm half-time. Uh, it's in North London at the end of the uh, Piccadilly line at a place called Cockfosters, 12 o'clock on the clock if you look at a map of London. Now there, of course, you're on the teaching faculty and in this role of director of Global Mission. So all of that, that experience that's been packed into you and Maura, I guess that, that positions you well to be able to teach the folk who then go to Oak Hill. What are the main building blocks, you know, of people who go there and sit in your classes? What, what are the, the, the main, most important things that you're teaching that they need to know about Global Mission? Well... Thank you, Blair. Yes. I mean, uh, my predecessor, Ray Porter, with um, OMF, he started the Global Missions teaching at Oak Hill. Oak Hill had traditionally, for uh, many decades, uh, served uh, local UK churches by providing ministers. Uh, a stream was added to um, train youth workers. Uh, another stream was added by Ray to train people going overseas. So some of the students that come, I won't say loads, but a few in each year group um, already feel a call to overseas missions. So uh, for them, the training would uh, be thinking about a biblical basis for mission, a definition of mission, because there's a bit of mission drift in how we use that word, refocusing people on the Great Commission and discipling and proclamation. Um, there would be thinking about um, mission societies uh, the history of them, how to choose one, thinking about missionary care, how to be 
well church, how church should send well, thinking about spiritual warfare, thinking about money, uh, thinking about culture. So these are the kinds of things that students need to think through and hopefully uh, write essays on to really think deeply about uh, before they go overseas. Uh, but then, of course, there are other students who are undecided. And my job for them is to uh, convince them to think globally, uh, even if they're going to minister in the UK. But we find that many, while they're at college, uh, they're challenged by the Lord to go overseas, which is wonderful. So there are about 60 um, Oak Hill, but we call them Old Oaks, Oak Hill graduates. There are about 60 serving in various um, countries around the world, five different continents with about 20 different mission societies. Some of them came to college never dreaming that they'd end up overseas. Then there are those who are, are focused on UK church um, by being vicars or pastors in the UK. And even if they come with very little global exposure, all of them are open. I'll say this for the Oak Hill students, they're, they're very keen to learn. And uh, anything we can do to help them think through cross-cultural issues uh, in their local churches, in their local communities, is very welcome. So, for example, tomorrow, uh, Friday morning, one of my colleagues in pastoral ministry has invited me to come in and think together with the students about how to listen cross-culturally. Uh, people from other cultures in our churches that we might perhaps uh, miss their messages uh, if we're not careful. This has all got to do with direct and indirect communication styles. Blair, I can't remember what your question was, but that's probably hit some of the things you asked. Well, you are hitting, as I was asking about, the, 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 I suppose the important building blocks that we need to learn, the things that you teach those the students about, you know, working, uh, well, cross-culturally, Billy, I said globally, but globally and cross-culturally. In terms yeah. of the, 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 I mean, obviously you've spent a lot of time, you know, in local churches and still you're still doing that. Hard good do you think we are you know as a british church in a being aware uh, within the various communities that, that our churches are located about the fact that we are actually living every every place is like a global village packed full of people from just about every every you know um uh, sort of tribe and and a nation representing you know right right amongst us in our own country never mind going to those countries i i are we good at it? Could we, be, could we be a lot better, David? Thank you, Blair. That's a very honest question. And I think the honest answer is most of us in our local churches here in the UK, we know the gospel well enough to know that we can't sit on the gospel and just enjoy it. We know we need to share it. Now, we've done that by sending missionaries or supporting UK uh, mission workers like London City Mission or Birmingham City Mission or, or Tier Fund or whatever. We, we've, we've done it by sending people and money. Um, it's a little bit harder um, for us to stomach and swallow the pill and stomach the idea that actually all of us now are called to think cross-culturally. And some of us, I think, maybe find that a bit difficult. Um, we, we, we feel we we don't have any cross-cultural skills. And I feel a little bit sorry and sympathetic. Uh, not sorry, I feel sympathetic for people. There was a lady in our church in Reading, and she said, D David, I know what you're saying. You know, we need to connect with people from other cultures. But um, I always have people around my house that are English. And I, I fear that if somebody came around from another culture, I wouldn't understand what they were saying, and I wouldn't know what to give them to eat, and I'd be embarrassed if I had to keep saying, excuse me, pardon me, uh, and I understood her fear, but encouraged her. 
and she opened her home up to a Ghanaian family. They came around. They all had a wonderful time. She was hooked, and she was away. Um, so I think it's helping people, perhaps more traditional members who haven't traveled much, haven't got much global experience. Um, yes, they need the Bible teaching. They need to be challenged, but also they need to be um, given confidence and equipped. Sometimes that can happen just by buddying up, mentoring. We've mentioned having people around to the home. Um, and hospitality is hugely, hugely important in the gospel, in the Bible, and in international outreach. Um, so as well as proclamation of the gospel and discipleship making, I would argue that having open homes and open churches where you eat together regularly in church and in homes, start small if you need to, cup of tea and a cake like the English do, cup of tea and a biscuit, but... Um, Make sure it develops into visiting people in their homes and having them visit in your homes, sharing food and sharing the gospel and, around the table. And of course, um, all, that's all of, a really, really important thing. All of that under the banner of relationship, isn't it? And, and, and even though it's a bit scary sometimes forming new relationships, but actually, you know, doing it is the best thing, isn't it? As you rightly said. David, we've, that's right. we've run out of time, but your final track is uh, Shout to the North. Uh, as we say goodbye, uh, I'll let you introduce it. Thanks, Blair. Thanks for having me on the show. really appreciate it's been a privilege. it. I've Thank enjoyed you. it very much. Um, I love uh, Compass Points. I was a Boy Scout, north, south, east, west. Uh, they feature in this song. That's why I like it. My ears pricked up. Uh, one of my colleagues at Oak Hill said that it's not just salvation history that's important. What about salvation geography? Places matter. And right from Abraham, where God promised him that his seed would spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south, and then through Isaiah and through Acts and to Revelation, where all nations will be gathered. Uh, that theme of the gospel going out uh, and people coming from the north, south, east, west to God, yes, <laughs> to the UK as well, yes, where we can share the gospel with them. So it's the compass points that do it for me. Shout to the north and the south by Delirious. Well, David, thank you so much for being my guest and, and, and much blessing on, on all that, that you're doing, uh, both in London and indeed, you know, with, with many local churches up and down the country. So for David and myself, it's goodbye, God bless. And as he said, this is Shout to the North. <laughs> <laughs>